If talking about new travel destinations or discovering the latest travel gadgets gets your heart racing just like mine, well then, you are in the right place. Hello there, I'm Katrina Rountree and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Come, our podcast about the wonders of travel, a place where we share memories from recent trips and we dream about upcoming adventures. So get your passports ready and join me for Journeys to Come. Hello there, welcome to Journeys to Come and to our podcast. I'm Katrina Roundtree and I found myself recently in Alaska and I met some pretty crazy characters and I thought you might like to have a chat to them as well and hear their stories. I I tend to just grab my phone when I do uh, these interviews and the quality, the surroundings are pretty much always quite unusual. Um, they are never staged. They are never perfect recording environments. But I hope that you enjoy the chats that I'm able to record of these people that that are more often than not just absolutely passionate about their life. And that's certainly the case of Katrina Handler. Katrina Handler is a musher. Do you know what that is? Mushing is the number one sport in Alaska, otherwise known as dog sledding. I'm telling you, this girl was just jumping out of her skin. Apart from having a fabulous name, she is totally in love with her dogs and her random life. Uh, I've, I found her giving um, a demonstration uh, in, a, in a native village uh, in the middle of Alaska. And uh, I, was, I was trying to make my way to the Arctic Circle. I'd just come out of the North Pole, where, of course, I met Santa and his reindeers. And I, I just met this girl and I was like, I've just got to chat to you. You are amazing. So here she is. Here is here's Katrina and she is a dog musher. So how many dogs do you have? In, in total, for like here and at Trailbreaker, we have about 37 dogs. And are they all in training for the Iditarod? No. So these guys are actually the retired ones. So when they retire from racing, that doesn't necessarily mean they are retired from pulling. It just means they don't want to go a thousand miles. Okay. So like Nancy right here, this black one, uh, she ran my first race with me this past winter. And she kind of gave me the cue of like, hey, I don't really want to do any long distance stuff let's just keep it short and at that point we hook them up next to the puppies when the puppies are first learning how to pull a sled and how to fit in the harnesses and everything so she is telling the puppy that is hooked up next to her what to do because okay. I mean I can tell these dogs as like as much as I want and they can understand about this much nobody speaks sled dog quite like a sled dog so these <laughs> dogs actually train each other more than we train them we just socialize them with each other socialize them with people and get them used to their harnesses and that's about it everything else the dogs take care of and so how did you get into all of this oh i moved up here to summit mountains uh and then i got a job at a kennel at a touring kennel with the dogs and then i was like oh no I'm already like so far in debt with student loans and everything. I'm like, great, I'm gonna be a musher now. And then I remember I called my mom and I'm like, so I'm staying in Alaska. And she was like, I know. She's like, I knew I it. it and so then I just, I just, you fall in love with these guys. Cause the thing is, is that these guys aren't just your companions. They're your lifeline. They're your buddies. Like I've seen like 
thousands of miles of trails with these dogs and at that point they get you through thick and thin like at one point I was lost Mm. completely lost on a trail and I needed to get home and I remember there was this like this weird birch tree and it split off into like three little things and I was like oh okay I need to go right so I said gee they didn't go right and the lead dogs I was like what the hell like these lead dogs always 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 listen to you so I I was like this is bizarre I'm just gonna let the dogs do what they should trust the dog exactly you gotta trust the dog and at that point they turned out a different tree that was split into three and I was like these guys know where they're at more than I know where I'm at so what am I going to do? I'm going to trust my dogs. And about yeah. five hours later, I pulled into my driveway. All so the- you've completely devoted your life to sled dogging? Yes. Yep. And does your mother think you're mad? She thought I was mad when I started mountaineering, so yeah. <laughs> and how come you started mountaineering? Uh, I get it from my dad, really. My dad, uh, he, like, when he was 19, he... he called his father and was like, Hey, Dad, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to climb Kilimanjaro in about two weeks and my grandpa was like okay and so I I just get it from him um they always took us out hiking and they always took like I remember the summer every single weekend we were always camping we were always doing something outside my friends who played a lot of video games and I didn't know what like certain video games were out they're just like what do you do do you live under a rock and I'm like I'm living outside is what I'm doing (laughs) the opposite of under a rock and you were living in a tent in the Yukon yes did you get cold yes (laughs) (laughs) so how do you combat the the winters here how do you deal with that the gear mainly Ah. the gear so one of the good things we have up here like specifically central alaska like fairbanks area we don't have a lot of wind so if you went to idaho their coldest temperature might be negative 10 but with a wind chill it could be all the way down to negative 50 here if our coldest temperature is negative 10 we don't have a wind chill so that kind of helps but when you're on the back of a sled going at around 8 to 10 miles an hour it's very important to you know have your face protected kind of a thing which is what those roughs are for it creates Mm -hmm. that bubble around our face that prevents the wind from actually contacting our face so when i am mushing in negative temperatures i have that rough and my face doesn't get cold because the wind's not hitting it so you find out really quickly if you don't have the right gear because i can't tell you how many gloves i've been through because i would try them on in store and i'm like they seem warm and then i'd be outside for four hours working with the dogs and i'm like these are terrible these are pathetic yeah Yeah, move on move on exactly and then what can it do for your love life if you're surrounded by these dogs all the time for my love life oh well um my boyfriend's long distance oh okay i'm so (laughs) pleased you say that though that's great okay so um yeah it's it's, i mean he loves dogs as well and when when we first met and everything we actually met in a dog yard because he was up here for the military and all that stuff and so then we met in the dog yard yada 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 everything so he's understanding of this passion oh yeah oh yeah he has just two pet dogs and when he was up here for the winter he surprised me for christmas and i was like i can't get any time off because this is so busy for us and he was just like well can i work with you and after working like 
two days here, he was like, I have a whole new respect for what you do because he was in the thick of it. He was stirring the cook pot, which smelled like rotten salmon and it was tripe and it smelled horrible. But that like, was the food for the dogs. Yeah. 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 So basically like they love anything that stinks. They love it. Like <laughs> anything like tripe fermented cow stomach. Oh my God. They'll go crazy. For and it, where on horrid. earth do you buy that stuff? So, um, so for, for us, since this is, you know, the state sport, if we go to cold spot, which is like a pet store, we can go into the back area and they'll have the harnesses and the lines and the booties for the dogs and all the mushing gear for the dogs. And then you can also be like, I need about 500 pounds of tripe, 500 pounds of what's called BLT, which is beef, liver, and tripe and, you know, stuff like that. And they'll give you in like blocks. And so then you'll just haul it out. I've got to, I've got to haul out myself. Want more travel in your day? Well then, join us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Journeys to Come and follow us. And while you're there, hey, how about you share your own travel pics and stories with the hashtag Journeys to Come. Hello there, I'm Katrina Roundtree. Welcome to Journeys to Come and our podcast. I've already apologised, you might have heard this earlier, but I, um, when I do my podcasts, I tend to do them on the fly. I tend to meet an amazing character when I'm traveling and I just think, oh, I know you would love to talk to this person or you might like to share this conversation with me. So I just grab my phone and go for it. So, okay, there might be a dog barking. Um, It's not always perfect, but I do hope that you enjoy some of the extraordinary characters that I get to meet as a part of Getaway. Now, we have for you uh, an interesting lady and her son, followed by her son, Janelle Porter. Now, Janelle is a, a part of a, a new movement, I suppose, in Alaska that uh, has really achieved a, a huge following since reality TV shows have taken hold around the world. Uh, I think there's one called Ice Truckers, and having been to the Arctic Circle, it is so spot on. But there's also a, a couple of uh, Alaskan reality shows that show you what it's like to live off the grid. And Janelle is the real deal. I got to meet her when I was filming for Getaway and I just found her story so interesting. So as you know, I grabbed the phone, I turned it on and this is her story. Janelle Porter and her homestead tour. This made me think everybody's mom is in the National Geographic. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she had her picture taken. She hated it. Uh, she knew when this magazine came out, everybody would see her in the classroom, blue jean sweatshirt. My dad, when it came out, loved it, had it painted for her, and there it is on the wall. And it's so funny, four days ago, she finally commented on it, and it wasn't a bad thing. She said, well, I'm kind of getting used to it. <laughs> but everybody, all of her kids are in that picture, and all of them but one are still in Alaska. But my oldest sister against the wall is in Florida, which is a great place to have a sister. Uh, but it is as far away as you can get and still be in the same country. Um, I'm right behind her. My gold miner brother is behind me. He's done nothing ever but gold mine to earn a dollar. Um, there's my mama. She raised five kids right here, and her buddy Marianne raised five kids three more miles out the mining trail. And a lot of times, they had ten kids between them, and a lot of times those two gals were the only adults in this whole area, which I was totally comfortable with when I was growing up. But now I'm thinking, wow, that was a lot because they could not call out 
for help. They could not get out. They were here taking care of whatever happened and whatever didn't happen. So that's Marianne's kid. And then there's uh, the pilot that flew my parents in and out for years until the road got here. That's his nephew. The sister that turned two, coming into Alaska, and that is baking the cookies as we speak, is right behind me. And one of Bob the Welder's kids is behind her. And this picture is almost identical, except the author, the artist, did not like blue. So if you were wearing blue that day, you are now wearing brown. <laughs> yep. And he did not like paper chains that we made at Christmas. Kids used to make at Christmas, so they are gone. But otherwise, it's pretty much identical. But when people first got here, you could gold mine, you could trap. That's all you could do and stay on your homestead. So if you needed to earn a dollar, and you did, you had to go work the oil fields or uh, work the railroad or whatever. Um, so it's a little different now because we have a road. So we have a few people that are uh, have real jobs maintaining the uh, roads. And because we have a road, we now have a school. So those are real jobs. But everybody else here is on their own to figure out how to earn a living and make it work. And a lot of people put a lot of little things together to do that. But there's a lot of uh, authors that live out there and uh, artists. And this is one cute thing I thought. My mom, she's been in a lot of magazines and films and stuff. So Alaska Magazine came out and was going to have her in there again. I have no claim to fame, but I'm like, I'm getting in there too, right? <laughs> so they came, they literally took 30 or 40 pictures. I was so excited. They called, I was from the coffee shop and said to mom, you're in the magazine. I knew it, I was too. I beat Pete right up there. And then I saw the picture. <laughs> Not so good, we'll see if I can find it. <laughs> Two years ago, Levi, he has goats. He had them out there, he left them there to come out. Grizzly bears got Samson and Snowball. So uh -huh. I tease Levi. This is probably the grizzly bear that got your <laughs> ghost. But anyway. Do you I, have many run-ins with grizzly bears? Um, down here, we only have black bear, except in the spring. In the spring, the grizzlies come down from the hills to chase around newborn moose calf. They love newborn moose calf. And I grew up totally believing that. Moose always had twins, and one was for the grizzly mom, and one was for the moose mom. <laughs> but, uh, but so down here, not so much. Levi definitely lives in grizzly country, and I'm in the beginning of that. But uh, pretty much, you have to be aware, but they really don't, aren't very interested in you or your stuff. The only time you have to worry is if it's one is wounded or they have a cub and you're between them and you. Yeah. So, and the same with moose. And actually, people get uh, injured by moose a lot more than by bear. And usually it's in the winter, and they get just as cranky as the rest of us, and they want to be on their trail. It's your road, but their trail. And they will get so out of sorts that they will attack your car, they will attack the train, anything that moves. And I grew up from, you know, ever knowing if you see a moose, you don't only get off the trail, you get out of sight. Because if they see you moving, they are after you. And um, in the summer, they don't care. They got plenty to eat. It's easy to get around. But in the winter, they are flat grumpy, like the rest of us. Yep. <laughs> and that cabin fever thing, totally reality. Yes. And uh, like I was saying earlier, the only thing you can do about cabin fever, everybody tries to self-medicate heavily sometimes. But the only thing that will actually work is getting a plane ticket out of here uh, for even two weeks, we'll do it just to get out of here, you know. Or if you cannot do that, you need to.
get your headlamp on, get your gear on, go outdoors and do something physical. And yeah. if you do that, you'll be fine. But the problem with that is, if everybody in your household does not go out and do that, they're, you're going to come in and they're going to still be grumpy and it spreads immediately. So you got to convince everybody to go out. And uh, you go to this coffee shop, which I do every day, and uh, in the winter, all you have to do is open the front door and you can tell who has cabin fever. And you better just avoid them. Just don't make eye contact, keep moving. And, but I have been that grumpy person and I can hear what I'm saying and I'm thinking, how could I be just you know, so mean and stuff? But once you get in that mode, it's very, very tough to get back out. So avoid going there. I didn't do health care, did I? Did I do health care on the bus? Do you have de- health care? Well, we don't have insurance. Uh, so you make it work for you, and basically how you do that is, first of all, you're careful, uh, because then you don't have to worry about it. Um, and then, if you end up having an incident anyway, you get your mother, or the gal at the coffee shop, or whatever, to fix you up. And duct tape is a wonderful thing. And used to be a lot glue. And super glue. Super glue My is a wonderful tells thing. My me, for yes, splits. Yep. It's, right, per- it's good. I mm-hmm. use super glue when, you know, how you, you, you cold and your fingers split? Yes. I put super glue on, it works a treat. It does. And you know where we learned that trick is awesome. dog mushers. When, you know, those pads on those dogs, yes. they have to keep them healthy or they cannot run. Mm-hmm. And yes. that's how they do it, super glue. And my mom has, she's taking care of my kids, me, and she uh, broke her arm and splinted her own arm and made it work. And we do have a health clinic across the Mm-hmm. in Talkeetna now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still, if you can stay away from there, you're way you, better you, off. You've obviously got to pay for that, don't you? You do, yeah. and it can be pretty spendy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's expensive? What do you I don't know because I've never gone. <laughs> I did. I, the only thing I've ever done is go to the hospital to have my kids because my mom said, you need to go there for that. And I did do that. But in those days, which would be 30-something years ago, if you could get in and back out of the hospital in under 12 hours, you got a half-price kid. So I have two half-price kids, and you know this is worth doing because earning a dollar out here is, is difficult. You can't squeeze another dollar out of this area. So if you can save a dollar, you're way farther ahead. How do you date? How do you make sure. it? Yeah, that's what well, I had to go outside and import one. And really, you would do that anyway because here, everybody that is your neighbor is like your relative. They're like your cousins. You're not going to marry them. That's what Levi said. So you have to go out and import one, which is what I did. Is Levi going to import the girl? You know, my brother just turned 60. He's still a bachelor. He's still doing whatever he wants, and my boys think that's the way to go. So I don't know that they're ever going to need to find a spouse. You know, they think they've got the life. Because people will come up and want to do that Alaskan lifestyle, mm. and they're really into it. They're way more into it than you are. Mm. And then a couple years later, they're like, I want to go out right. of New Jersey. Yeah. Well, can you see Levi in New Jersey? No, no, this no, is no, not going to work. So you have to think about all those things, even though that's difficult when you think you are in love. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. And How do you live off the grid? Well, I live, I, I, what you find out really fast what it takes to keep you happy. And what I have found is, and a lot of people don't have this, but I have a road almost to my house, so I can see my truck from my house. And I know I can get out to the coffee shop or whatever I want to do. Um, a lot of people live out there. They have to walk out to the road, then get a car started, then they can go where they want. Um, and also, all your stuff out there, if you don't live right downtown here, you are responsible for everything that you want for yourself. Mm-hmm. And you upgrade to the degree that 
you want or that you can afford. When you run out of money, you're done. Or, uh, and so that's what I have done. I now have sort of have electric. I no longer have water because it's a lot easier to not have it. You don't have to worry about it freezing up. You don't have to worry about getting that generator going, getting that water pump going. You just have a, you're on vacation every day. How do you handle having all of these people coming into your home? Mm. Your oh, you know this one. My mom's and dad's home has always been this way. So before there was ever a road, anybody that came to this community would stop at mom's house, mom and dad's, because there was nowhere to get a cup of coffee. There was nowhere to put your sleeping bag down. We had them all here <laughs> for years. So it's always been normal for us to have people coming and going. And I know that your mom's got a, a cold today, so she can't be with yeah. us, but she sounds like the most amazing woman. Yes. Yes. It took me a long time to realize that, of course, you know, she's my mom, but she really is. And I really don't know how she managed to do everything she needed to do with all those kids and nothing. But she was the mechanic, she was the, she did everything. The doctor, everything, yeah. But that's kind of what you're doing now. Yeah, but it's different, because see, they had no way to get out of here, they had no way to call for help. I can get in my truck, drive to my mom's house, and use the telephone. So it's way different, even though I live pretty much the same out of choice, but when things go wrong, I have it a lot better, you know. And I have, like I said, a propane stove, so when I want to make tea, I just make it. Uh, they had to just think about the fact that, oh, if you want tea, you better have thought about it like two hours ago. <laughs> yeah, so it's huge. What do you do during the winter for all of your supplies? I have a sister that lives in town, and I don't need much, and I have most everything in my cabin, and if I need anything else, she brings it out to me. And usually, what most people do is, when you need an important item, like uh, some part for your generator or something, you have to go to town for that, you load up on everything else you need. Be organized. Uh, yes. But uh, if you don't, you just do without it. You know, you don't really need it. What do you really need? And so you just wait till you need to go, or your sister shows up. Yeah. Lovely. What's your advice to someone thinking about living off the grid, living this sort of sustainable life out here in Alaska? I think that everybody should give it a try. And I really do think that. Not everybody will like it. Not everybody will uh, end up lasting. But that doesn't matter. It's really uh, interesting to learn what you can do yourself. And it's way different. I mean, you're, you're so used to having people do things for you, or they're already done. You get out there and try to do it yourself. You are going to come out being like, uh, I know I can do anything I need to do. That's a great feeling. So I think everybody should try it. I really do. Yeah. Thank you. While you're listening, why not add some travel to your inbox? Sign up for my weekly travel updates at journeystocome.com. Janelle Porter was joined on the day that I was filming with her son, Levi Miller. This guy had more hair than he knew what to do with. However, for a fellow that does not like to wear shoes other than these amazing boots in winter, he was incredibly articulate. He said to me, I, I don't care what you ask me. If you just fire me the questions, I will talk about anything. But as a fellow that, that lives on the side of a mountain with no power at all, um, I sadly think he's been single for a very, very long time. But he is a beautiful, beautiful guy. I think that you'll like to listen to a few words, a few thoughts of Levi Miller, the son of Janelle Porter. Levi Miller, thank you so much for joining us on Journeys to Come. I'm curious about the homesteading that you offer here in Trapper Creek in Alaska. What exactly is it? 
well, the homesteading uh, ended quite a while ago, but uh, it was, you know, a way that people could come up to Alaska and get a piece of land for, you know, nothing besides putting their own time and sweat into it, you know. So uh, come up. You have to live on it for 24 months out of three years, build a habitable dwelling and clear and put into production 20 acres, and then you've got 160 acres of your very own. And your grandparents did that many years ago? Yeah, they came to Alaska in 61, but uh, got trapped on the other side of the river till 62. And they made it to this block of land and made it their own, and you absolutely have adored growing up here. What was it like growing up on this property? Well, actually, I didn't grow up on this property. I spent a lot of time here, you know, doing chores and everything, but growing up in Alaska was great. There's always something to do, you know, plenty of woods to run around in and hunting and fishing. And I, I hated gardening growing up, but it was one of my big chores. Now I like it. But. You, I know that you actually have a passion for gardening at your own home. Tell us a little bit about your own home, where it is and, and what it's like. Uh, to get to my house, you drive uh, nine miles past Grandma's here, and then it's a three-and-a-half-mile hike in. Uh, but once you get out there, it's great. I've got 30 acres on the high point of a ridge, uh, creek down at the bottom on either side with trout and grayling and salmon, berries everywhere, good hunting. So you're off the grid living a completely sustainable life. Uh, depending on what you call sustainable, i got to make a little bit of money, you know, buy that flour and salt and sugar. <laughs> there are a couple of things that you, you cannot live without. Yep. Uh, I will never, ever give up flour. Uh, store-bought bread is gross. <laughs> so you make your own bread? Oh, yeah. Yep, bread, uh, biscuits, whatever, you know. Uh, nobody's going to come out to my house and cook me a good meal but me. Tell me, how do you earn your money? Uh, well, I do a little bit of these tours. I do a lot of construction, uh, operating equipment, you know, uh, whatever I can happen to squeeze in. Do you have sort of a, a trading lifestyle out here? I'll help you if you can help me. Oh, yeah, for almost everybody. I mean, most people who live in this town only have four months to make all the cash they're going to have for the whole year. So, you know, you really want to hold on to that for an emergency and trade when you can. Mm -hmm. uh, the nursery that I run and my garden is all open to people. There's a notebook sits there all the time. Go help yourself. Take whatever you want. Just write it down and we'll work it out later. So it operates on an honesty system? Do they ever leave money there or you work it out later? Uh, well, some yeah, people will leave money there just on the counter. And nobody takes it. You know, it's How do you handle the cold? Uh, work harder. <laughs> How cold does it get? Uh, the coldest I've ever seen it at Grandma's was 57 below. Uh, I say our Goldilocks zone is typically between 20 below and 20 above. You, know, but... you don't wear shoes for most of the year, I've noticed. No, but big heavy boots all winter long. Mm. Yeah, what are the boots that you like? I like the bunny boots. They're a military surplus from the Korean War, you know, layers of rubber and felt and air. Uh, but uh, they weigh like five pounds a piece, not a pair, but a piece, and they don't breathe at all. But I always tell people they'll find me dead and froze and my feet will be thawed. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not, that's not funny. I'm laughing, but that's not funny. <laughs> Your grandma, she's, she's got a cold at the moment, so she can't join us. But I'm fascinated. She sounds like a remarkable woman. Tell us a bit about her. Oh, uh... Grandma, you know, uh, she was always the one that was around. You know, Grandma, Grandpa was always out having something to do. You know, it's busy in the summer. But Grandma was always the one here, you know, showing you how to do, you know, everything. Uh, she's the one that taught me how to cook, shoot, you know, fish, uh, play in the garden. <laughs> if a woman wanted to fit into your lifestyle, how would she do that? What are you looking for? I know that you're a bachelor at the moment, but... Well... Uh, basically, she's got to like living out in the woods, and she's got to be able to pull her own weight. It's hard enough for me to drag all my own stuff in there. <laughs> um, when was the last time you shaved? Because your your beard is pretty much going down to your tummy. Your hair's mm. definitely going down to your tummy. 
Oh, uh, when I was 16, about two weeks after I started. <laughs> That's for the birds. Yep, it's better stuff to do. I know that you're really involved with your community. Um, tell us about the different projects that you're working on. Uh, well, I'm on the community council. Right now we're dealing a lot with the logging and mining in the area. It's in a community water point because they're trying to shut down our little water that we've got for everybody. But Why is that? Out. Oh, they say it's not DEC approved or something like that. Yeah. Come and get us. <laughs> so you've got a real aversion to regulations. Well, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, if I want to do it and I'm not hurting anybody, why does that matter? Uh, Alaska itself has very awesome privacy laws called the Raven Act, where uh, pretty much if you're on your own property and you're not hurting the property value of your neighbor, the state doesn't care. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. Okay, so you, you're actually at one with the principles of Alaska. Mm -hmm. It's true survival country out here, though, isn't it? Uh, for the most part. I mean, you can definitely not be if you decide you want to just stay on the roadway and in town, but uh, if you get out, you know, if you, can, if you walk that, you know, direction west from here uh you can walk all the way to the ocean and never hit anything you know when you do come into town what what do you like to do uh well usually you're doing chores <laughs> you know i've got a lot of chores down here at grandma's and then my my main garden's not even at my house it's down the road here uh but i have one gimme if you happen to be able to find me no matter what i'm doing if you say do you want to go shoot pool the answer is always yes <laughs> And you love Costco? And I love Costco. You know, uh, name another store you can buy 800 pounds of flour at. I can't think. <laughs> Tell me, um, what did you do for school? Uh, Trapper Creek had its own elementary school when I started going. And then Trapper Creek, Talkeetna, and Willow share a junior high slash high school. It's about 20 miles down the road from here, so about 30 miles from where I grew up. Uh, getting to school was more of an issue. You have to have at least three kids to have a school bus stop. Uh, my mom only had two kids, so no school bus stop, which isn't the real issue because there was a school bus stop four miles down the road we could get to, but they plow the roads here by priority. First the highway system, then any road with the school bus stop. If it's still snowing, back to the highways and the school bus stops, and we'll get to the rest of you guys eventually. And uh, we were at the very edge of our road service area, so we were at the very bottom of the eventually list. So uh, quite often we just have to ride the snow machines to school, which I preferred anyway. Yeah, I'd love that. <laughs> What would be your advice to someone thinking about moving out to Alaska and, and living off the grid? Uh, expect to have to have some kind of money. <laughs> I mean, not a lot, but you're going to need some kind of money. A little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, so figure out your niche. Actually, that's probably great advice. And I suppose for you, um, well, you said you grew, you grew up not really liking guarding that much, but now it's become what you trade with. Mm -hmm. And... And your hands, I suppose, your skills. Yep. Uh, the best thing you can have out here is your reputation. You know, if, uh, you're known for your work, and if you do a bad job, it's gonna everybody in town's gonna know. <laughs> and don't be a jerk. And don't be a jerk, or you ain't gonna make it. I know that you can't imagine living anywhere else, but what do you really love about your home here? Oh, I I love the complete freedom. I can do anything I want out at my house. You know, and. Uh, nobody's around to tell me I'm doing wrong. How do you get around? Do you drive? Oh yeah, I'm a typical Trapper Creek guy. I've got all kinds of vehicles and a few even move. I noticed a few cars coming down the driveway, but they didn't look as though they moved. Well, the ones out in the field all still move. Uh, they don't go on the roadway anymore. I mean, the way to tell is if there's trees growing around them, right? Then if there's trees, they don't move. But uh, those ones are all still for field use. 
Why wouldn't you just get rid of the cars? Uh, it's really expensive to get rid of a car here. You got to hire somebody from town to come out and get it and pick it up, haul it away, and they charge you for mileage. They charge you to take it. And they charge you, you know, hazard fees on oil and tires and batteries. That's wasted money. Yep, wasted money. You can't do a lot to earn money, but you can save it, and I can save it by pushing that tree right over there or the tr- car. And you actually make the most of the car with the alternator and the engine. Uh, oh well, uh, the batteries and the lights are the most important for people who live off the road because they're all LED and they're all 12 volt. You know, everybody's got car batteries that uh, for. And when you go out and visit somebody who has real power, you take an extra battery with you and you charge it at their house. Oh, that's very wise. That's very wise. I was wondering, what do you do for your septic system? Well, there's no such thing as septic for me, <laughs> but. Uh, so what do you do? Well, I've got an outhouse. Okay. Uh, but uh, with a drop. Thing? Oh, well, yeah. yeah okay. You know, uh, long drop, whatever you like to call them. Long drop, yeah, that's what I'd say. <laughs> but yeah. uh, there's a lot of people out here, we were talking about the cars, who, uh, you know, will put in an old Ford van, will be their septic tank. Okay, okay, whatever works. Whatever works. You were talking about your friend with the blueberries. When you go and pick them, what does that also indicate? Oh, that it's a bear hunting time. You know, uh, you get up in the hills during the blueberry season, and uh, the bears are just fat and lazy sitting in the blueberry patch. Uh, last time we went out, we glassed around for about 45 minutes, saw eight bears, picked the one we wanted, and went and gone, you know? You eat the bear. Oh, only the black bear, though. Black bear is delicious, as long as it's eating the right stuff. You are what you eat. Okay, so you would prefer um, a, a black bear that's had a lot of salmon, maybe? or No, because that will taste like rotten salmon. So everybody, uh, what the, we call them is the berry bears. Everybody wants a berry bear. A berry bear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and what's a brown bear taste like? Uh, awful. You know as soon as you cut open a grizzly bear that you made a mistake. <laughs> okay, I'll keep that one in mind. And tell me, when you do go shooting, do you ever run into anybody else, as in a human? Uh, not in the areas I go in. Uh, there, I mean, most people like to shoot right off the roadway because it's allowed here as long as you're not standing on the driving surface of the road. And then everybody else pretty much just wants to sling mud with their four-wheelers and, so I hike out where they can't do that, and they just push them all to me. Okay, you're corralling. You're corralling the animals. Mm. What kind of animals do you uh, shoot other than bears? Uh, for me, the only the large game is pretty much just moose and black bear. Uh, you can travel to go hunt caribou, which is actually my favorite. Is it? Okay. Uh, but if you do caribou or goat or sheep, you have to travel to do it. Then you have to climb a mountain, and when you finally shoot that animal, it's so much smaller than a moose <laughs> that it makes me cry. <laughs> Okay, so there's a heart in there. There is definitely a heart beating in there, Levi. Oh, yeah. Somewhere. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Journeys to Come. If you want any more information on the places that we visited, all the people we spoke to, then visit our website, journeystocome.com, for full details.